0: Welcome to the Reach College Podcast with your speaker, Tristan Smith.
1: Because when you are children of light, there is no darkness in you. That is simply God's goal for your life. Today we're gonna finish first Thessalonians but um, we have two testimonies and um, and I'll explain why we do but the first one is Roman so Roman you want to go ahead and come on up here and all yours.
0: cool okay guys so like she said my name is Roman uh, I've been a part of evergreen since I was in eighth grade Um, It's been an incredible time. Uh, Evergreen's been a huge impact on my walk with the Lord. Um, They have poured into me, and it really just raised me up in my understanding of the faith. And um, so, where to start? So, I was born into a Christian home. Uh, I uh, had my grandpa, who was a pastor, and uh, my parents, they uh, did well to raise me. Uh, reading the Bible to be praying with me to be talking about God like all the time and so whenever I was seven years old um, I uh, went to the church that I was a part of and my best friend at the time who was two years older than me his name was Sean uh, he ended up getting saved and baptized and so uh, the church that I was a part of they did like a little celebration every single time someone was baptized because they said oh we're going to uh, reflect what Heaven's doing right now, because whenever someone's saved, Heaven celebrates. So we're going to celebrate the fact that you have now been saved. And so uh, my friend got saved, uh, he was baptized. And then after his baptism, uh, we went into the little fellowship hall area and they had like pizza and cupcakes. And so I go in and everyone's like going up to Sean and saying, Oh, Sean, uh, I'm excited for you. Like, I'm, I'm so glad that you have made this decision to accept the Lord into your life. And I can't wait to see what God's gonna do for you. And so I'm a little confused about it all. And I'm like, why is Sean getting all this attention? And so I go up to Sean, I'm like, Sean, what's going on? Why is everyone giving you pizza and cupcakes and saying all these nice things? And he's like, well, because I got baptized. And I was like, why'd you get baptized? And he's like, because I asked Jesus in my heart. And and so like, I've been raised to believe that at some point I'm supposed to ask Jesus in my life. But I didn't really understand what that meant, and so I'm like really confused. And and Sean realizes that I'm confused, and so he's like, you know what, pulls me aside to the other side of the room where no one else is, and he's like, Roman, do you want pizza and cupcakes? And I was like, yeah, I do. And he's like, okay, here's what you do. And so I'm like, yes. And so I I go home and I go up to my room, and uh, at this point, uh, I share a room with my siblings, so I climb up onto my top bunk of my bunk bed, and I'm laying in bed and. And it's been a couple of minutes it's felt like an eternity but it's probably been only like 30 minutes and so uh, now I'm climbing out of my bed and I'm trying to work up tears because Sean said if I'm crying then everyone's gonna believe me and so I was like okay sweet so so I walk into my parents room and I'm bawling my eyes out and they're like Roman what's the matter and I was like uh nothing and then they're like then why are you crying and I was like "Ah, I think I want to ask Jesus in my heart and they're like really that's great and and so like i said i've been raised in the church so i know a lot of the answers and and sean made sure i knew everything that my parents were going to ask me and so uh they asked me these questions i talked to them and uh in that moment i i pray with my parents and and i somewhat asked jesus in my heart but really all i was looking forward to was the attention And the celebration and so uh, the next week I got baptized and and I got my pizza and cupcakes and I was so happy that was so great and that was where nothing really changed I continued to live uh, as a good Christian kid I continued to go to church I was in Awana so I continued to memorize scripture for the Awana bucks for the prizes Um, I would uh, do uh, outreaches like mission trips and different things like these and and so I was continuing to grow and continuing to do everything like a good Christian kid and so um, I'm the middle child of, of seven kids and so my house is very loud and rambunctious and Whenever you have a lot of siblings, there's gonna be a lot of arguments. And so um, Whenever my siblings would like get in trouble um, Everyone would kind of look towards me as like someone to like look at and my parents would be like Romans like a peacekeeper I was like the angel child and so um, to my parents I looked like I was a good kid and then at church I was uh, I've now moved to Evergreen Uh, so I left that one church went to my grandparents church for a while and then once I became the age of youth group my parents were like okay we need to find him a youth group because I was at my grandparents church and there was no youth like I was the only youth student other than my brother and so we moved to Evergreen and while we're at Evergreen, like, I've been doing all these events. I've been going to youth uh, group events. I've been going to, uh, like, kids worship and doing all these things. And so I'm, like, serving now. And, and now I'm beginning to disciple students. I'm beginning to pour into others. And, and as I'm doing all these things, uh, everyone keeps looking to me as though someone that they can look up to, someone that can pour into them, uh, someone that is on fire for God. So in the eyes of my parents, I was an angel child. In the eyes of my church leaders, I was a good Christian kid. In the eyes of my peers and friends, I was someone that could disciple them, someone that could direct them and lead them closer to the Lord. But truly on the inside, I was broken and hopeless. I had made everyone else believe the lie that that I had everything all together. But secretly, behind closed doors, I was looking at things that I should have never been looking at. Secretly inside, I had no clue what it meant to have a relationship with God. And and I didn't. I had all the knowledge, but I had no relationship. I truly was a Pharisee. And so um, I eventually get to go to a youth camp uh, called Super Summer. And so whenever I go to Super Summer, Throughout the entire week, uh, my small group and everyone around me is like getting hyped up and excited about everything that God's laying on their hearts and and is teaching them. And and while everyone else is getting excited, I continue to get more and more depressed. And I didn't understand why. And um, right before uh, this morning, right before this lesson started and everything, uh, Andrew was talking to me. And he said something that was really profound, and I'm probably going to mess it up really bad, but he said this at uh, youth camp this last week, uh, two weeks ago now, Uh, and uh, what he said was, there's no such thing as a camp high because this is how it ought to be. Whenever we are away from the distractions of life, when we are simply focused on God, this is what we were created for. We were supposed to be created to glorify God, and yet we get entangled in the ways of the world. This is how it's always been for my life. I've been caught in the entanglement of the distractions of the world. I have tried to hide this pain uh, inside of me by being a good Christian kid. I've tried to hide this pain inside of me by going on mission trips, by discipling students, by speaking in front of youth groups and different things like these. I tried to distract myself from this pain by uh, pursuing relationships, by trying to have great friendships, by viewing pornography. I've tried to distract myself. I've tried to hide it. But in this moment, at this camp, I realized there was nothing I could do to hide it. In this moment, I realized that Everything that I've been trying to do my whole life is never going to be enough. And so by the end of the week, I finally am overwhelmed and and exhausted of trying to ignore this pain that's been coming out from the inside. And so uh, I just lay in my bed, and and I I skip a few sessions, and and I'm feeling super sick. And it finally clicks in my head, like, Roman, why am I not talking to God? And so um, in that moment... I, I climb out my bed, and, and I, I fall on my knees, and, and I begin praying. And this time, I actually talk to God like he's someone that matters. This time, I talk to God like I actually care about him. And I, I tell him, Lord, I'm broken. I've made everyone believe I have everything all together. I've made everyone believe that I'm someone you are using. But truly, I've been wasting my life and your time by living this lie. Father, I simply want to serve you. And so in this moment, I was overwhelmed and and all stressed out, and and I didn't know what to do next. So I end up getting up out of my room, going to my youth pastor, and, and telling him, AJ, here's the deal. I've been lying this whole time, and I don't know why but I don't have a relationship with God and, and Christ is not Lord. And so rather than him being mad at me, like I'm at a leadership camp. I've been discipling students. I've been doing all these great things. Instead of him being mad, he, he puts his hand on, on my shoulder and he says, Roman, it's okay. God still loves you. And so then he prays with me and he encourages me. And and then that is whenever things changed. I began to draw closer God, I began to study His Word and actually hide it in my heart. I began to actually memorize Scripture, not for a prize, but because this was something that actually mattered to me. Guys, whenever we come in contact with Christ, we're going to change. When I was seven years old and I wanted that pizza and cupcakes, nothing changed. I got my prize and that was it. But whenever I actually met with Christ, whenever I was 17, that's when everything's changed. Second um, Corinthians five seventeen says, uh, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old passed away; behold, the new has come." This is so profound, and this is what it means to be saved—going from hopeless and broken to restored and joyful. Because whenever we come in contact with a perfect God. We are broken people. And when we come in contact with a perfect God, we're going to radically change. We're going to begin to draw closer to Him. We're going to begin to desire Him all the more than the things that we've lived in all our life. So I just wanted to encourage you guys, continue to pursue after the Lord. Continue to draw close to Him. And even in the moments where you feel like you're failing and falling apart, just know He's got you. And he still loves you because he sent his son to die for us while we were yet sinners so even when we're failing and falling apart he's still there and he still cares but yeah
1: Sorry. okay so i texted roman thursday and was like hey i heard you're going to be in town we you share your testimony he's like yeah and then literally like Five minutes later, um, Lauren Lewis texted me and was like, hey, can I share my testimony on Sunday? And I was like, wow. Like, I was not even going for any of that, but just the fact that, like, you asked was just so encouraging to me to see, like, how the Lord has just taken this and used it. So, Lauren, come on up here um, and share your story with us, girl. You kind of just, yeah, have to hold that. there
2: you go. <laughs> Hi guys, Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Lauren. Uh, Me and my husband have been going to Reach for about, not Reach, Evergreen for about two years now, and we always are there on Tuesday nights. So if you ever see us, come say hi. Um, So as far as my testimony goes, I uh, grew up in church on and off. Uh, I moved a lot with my parents, so we weren't like in a church actively um so like i knew all the church stories as a kid watched veggie tales so i i knew all that stuff um but growing up i experienced a uh, childhood trauma so that really just had a like i had a separation from god and i could feel it and that just i feel like it put a wedge between me and god And so growing up, I didn't really want to pursue God. Like I knew that, yeah, Jesus died for me and all that. But as I became an adult and got my first job, went out to the world, also, background, I was homeschooled. So if anybody has been homeschooled, they understand the whole being around just your family. And then when you get out in the world, it's a totally different experience because you're exposed to people who don't know Christ and it can be very overwhelming. And that's what happened with me is that I didn't, because I didn't really know Jesus, I thought I had accepted him as a kid in church, but my actions didn't display that. And so, uh, as an adult, I, you know, had relationships and I didn't make got a priority in that at all and so I fell really hard I made a lot of choices that were damaging to me and it took my mom to say what are you doing like this is not how you wanted to spend your life like you're not acting like the person I know you to be and so I started going to church and once I started to really be around people that I thought, okay, they have it together. I really wanted that. And so I uh, got baptized, accepted Christ for real this time. And uh, then I started actually putting God first. And that was something that was very hard for me because in past relationships, I had not been that way and done whatever I wanted to do. And so to have a relationship where they weren't saved and me to try to put God first was so hard because I eventually had to end that relationship. And that was the biggest thing for me is to realize that God was more important than what I thought love was because God was actually love. And it wasn't until I had broken off that relationship and started to really decide that I wanna live the life that god wants me to have that everything really started to go into place i met richard and then we got involved in evergreen and being in discipleship has been the most important thing to me because having somebody that is a believer and just sees you how you are and then says let me pour into you let me just show you what it's like to live a godly life and let me show you scripture and how all that plans out in like everyday life has been so great and I love what Roman said that the continued high is how it's supposed to be because that's the kind of thing that I get whenever I'm in discipleship like leaving discipleship I'm just like so excited because i'm like i've shared what i've learned this week and just to hear somebody say that you're not where you were when i first started meeting with you like i can see a continual change in your life that you're actively representing christ is the best feeling to me and so that's just basically all of how God has just transformed my life, and if He can do it for me, He can do it for you.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, so, if you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and if you're not there already, go to First Thessalonians um, chapter five, and we will. Finish this out. Is this your pin? Oh,
2: thanks.
1: Okay. Huh. This side, um, the harvest is ready. We have to go. So it's a fun time. Okay, First um, Thessalonians chapter five. Um, okay, I'm very excited about today. Um, this has been an interesting experience for me, and I've enjoyed going through this with you guys, um, and it's been, it's been super cool. I've learned a lot, and I hope you guys have too. So today, um, today's title is called Perspective Change. So the whole series was called Eternal Perspective because we are changing our perspective, and in chapter five, we see this all kind of come full circle. In the sense of just everything we've talked about, how that changes our perspective and how our perspective changes how we kind of live our lives. So, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting verse 1. It says, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying... There is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape." Okay, so the first thing that we see here as far as perspective change is we see a perspective of urgency. So we kind of talked about this a little bit last week, just this idea that there is an urgency to these things, um, and there is definitely an urgency to the gospel. And I want to tell you guys when I first started realizing that there was an urgency to the gospel because that was really kind of the foundation for this entire series for me. Um, So it was the summer of 2019 and I was at Collegiate Week with TCC BCM and if you guys have never been to Collegiate Week, the very last day after the last session, you get with the group that you came with and you basically sit and you pray and talk about that upcoming school year and how you encourage each other and what you guys learned that week, um, the people groups that you want to go and um, share the gospel with and you pray for those for those things. Well, um, so it was my first like kind of event as an intern and our directors were nowhere to be found. So I was like, well, looks like um, I'm going to lead this so we started talking and we just kind of started talking about what we learned that week how we can apply it to just this upcoming um, semester and this upcoming school year and I'll never forget we started praying um, just for the lives of the students that we meet at TCC um, and just how we were going to share the gospel with them and this phrase kind of came out of that week and kind of came out of that um, that time of prayer and it was just this phrase that we kept praying over and over again as a BCM and it just simply was God wreck us with the urgency of the gospel and that just shaped um, everything about our BCM and so that um, first fall semester of 2019 we continued to pray just God wreck us with the urgency of the gospel and That semester was when um, we started praying for unreached people groups as a BCM. And we started just having so many gospel conversations with students. Um, I began um, a lot of relationships with girls in my classes that um, I knew didn't know the gospel. Like I viewed my classes as opportunities to share the gospel. Um, And then that even translated into the spring semester of 2020, which we all know what happened. Um, And so everyone was basically quarantined. You can't do anything. And we continued to have a BCM over Zoom. And we talked about how to share the gospel, even though we were quarantined. Like this prayer just shaped our entire perspective as a BCM and it shaped really my heart and myself as an individual um, just praying that there is just this perspective of urgency and just praying and saying God please wreck us, wreck me with the urgency of the gospel and that is still my prayer even to this day and I mean that was two, three years ago Um, but I've seen it shape my life and I've seen it shape an entire BCM and so it's just been cool to, to see that come into fruition and then we see well, there's, um, kind of why there is this perspective of urgency. And verse 3, when it says, there's peace and there's security, then sudden destruction will come. So it's this idea that um, when people are around you saying, oh, there's peace and security, it's this idea that there is an intense lack of reliance upon the Lord. Meaning they're finding their peace and their security and other things. And, and things like the, I mean, things like the economy or the political situation or just the state of, the world in general. And they're like, yeah, everything's good. It's all fine. There's peace and security around us within our leaders in our countries, within um, just our own finances and these things. But the whole idea is yes, there might be peace and security, but are you at the end of the day finding that within the Lord? And so the idea of there being peace and security and people saying that, it's showing that they're saying that, but their reliance is not upon the Lord. So that whenever the Lord does come back, their reliance is not on him Um, and then we see at the very end of verse three when it says the sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape so this is the idea of it being um, unexpected but also this idea of a new birth at the coming of the lord so then we see um, in verses four through eight the perspective of light So, starting verse 4, it says, But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. Verse 6, So then let us not sleep as as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Okay, so again, we see this perspective of light. And I I said this um, a few weeks ago at Reach, if you guys were there. But if you are children of light, then you are responsible for what you know. Meaning, if you know the gospel, and you know that the people around you don't know the gospel, you are responsible to bring the gospel to them in that way. You are, I mean, last week, Pastor Michael talked about this. You are where you are at, born at the time you were born at for a reason, and that is to bring the gospel to those around you, and you are responsible for what you know, especially if you are a child of light, a child of God, then you see the darkness around you, and you are responsible for bringing the the light to the people around you, and we even see this, and you guys don't have to flip there, but we even see this in Matthew 5, um, starting in verse 14. And it simply says this, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Okay, that verse 16, let your light shine so that you can give glory to God who is in heaven. And then we also even see in Second Corinthians, um verse or sorry chapter 4 starting in verse 5 it says this for what we proclaim is not ourselves but jesus christ is lord with ourselves as your servants for jesus sake for god who said let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of god in the face of jesus christ so then we see that there's this direct correlation to you being in the light and knowing the truth and sharing it and be responsible for what you know. There's this other idea that whenever you are in the light, um, you see things, meaning you don't hide anything. We talked, I think it was two weeks ago, we talked about um, accountability. And I told you guys that I had met with some girls um, for a few semesters and we did accountability group and we went through a list of questions and just, asked each other about our week, um, how we share the gospel that week, how we've been in God's word that week, uh, what scripture were we memorizing. It was all about accountability because when you are children of light, there is no darkness in you. That means you can't hold anything within. Um, and so putting those things in the light and causing you to be accountable. And then we also see um, with this perspective of light, um, starting in verse six through eight, we really see this perspective of being awake. Um, and so in that, in First 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty four, it says, um, "Wake up from your drunken state, as is right, and do not go on sinning. For some have no knowledge of God, and I say this to your shame." So. It's this idea, again, of being awake and being not of the world. Again, last week we talked about being set apart from the world. And in being set apart from the world, you are awake, and you are seeing the things that the Lord sees, and you are seeing that there is a need around you and that there is a need for the gospel to be made known around you. Um, And I just love how in 1 Corinthians 15, 34, it says, For some have no knowledge of God, and I say this to your shame, there are people all around you who have no knowledge of God, and you are there to go and to share the gospel with them. And then in verse 8, it says, But since we belong to the, to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Okay, so this alludes back to in Ephesians chapter 6, when it talks about the armor of God. Um, so the the breastplate of faith is guarding your heart. Um, and that comes along with accountability and doing these things. So you are guarding your heart and you are you are guarding it with God's word. I loved what Roman said about talking about just memorizing scripture. I mean, that is guarding your heart against what the enemy tries to throw at you. And then we even see the helmet of salvation. Um, so guarding your mind. Know what you know. Um, and that is in... What you think is in direct correlation to how you live your life and what you believe. Um, And that just guarding your mind. And this goes back to what Taylor talked about like um, in his last series, talking about how you can know that you're saved um, and how you can know that you have eternal life in Christ. And so whenever you know what you know, it begins to guide your life and it begins to change your perspective, which is the whole reason I have people come up here and share their testimonies because they know that they know that they're saved. And so in that, it changes the way that they think and it changes the way that they live and the way that they do everyday life. Um, so guard your minds with the hope of salvation. And then we see, there's um, starting in verse nine, there is a perspective of hope. It says, for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another, one another up just as you are doing. So now we see this perspective of hope. And in verse 9, for God has not destined us for wrath, um, I kind of read that and I read it as God has not destined us for what we deserve. And I, I hint at that because, especially working with college students, um, I run into a lot of people that think they, they deserve the gospel, and that is probably one of my biggest pet peeves ever. Um, and I, I, I bring this up because, one, it seems to happen a lot, um, but two, I just want to get that idea out of your head. Um, you don't deserve the gospel. I don't deserve the gospel. It is The gospel is literally the most undeserving thing that has freely been given to us, and if you think that you deserve the gospel, that you deserve redemption, um, then you forfeit all of Christ's work upon the cross. Because once you begin to start thinking that you deserve the gospel, it's because when you think you deserve something, it's because you've done something that you think you are entitled to that thing or entitled to deserve that thing. So meaning you're devotion your discipline your hard work whatever it is it's not going to get you to the gospel and it's not going to get you to earn the gospel um God has destined you for what you literally don't deserve and I mean that's the beauty of the gospel is that we don't deserve it yet is given to us and then we see in verse 10 um when it says who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep we might live with him so going back to last week this idea of being asleep is um, believers who have died um, are simply just asleep um, and they will rise again at the coming of christ that is why they are described as being asleep so if you are in christ whether you are asleep or awake meaning awake as in like you are alive in christ um, christ is with you and and you live with him and then in verse 11 again going back to the idea that we talked about a couple weeks ago about just encouraging our brothers and sisters in Christ um, encourage each other with the hope of the gospel and this is another reason why I wanted people to share their testimonies because sharing your testimony is such an encouragement to other believers in the hope of the gospel and um, I mean that's just such a simple thing to go up to a brother and sister of Christ and just say, hey, like, what's your story? And that's something that I think we don't do often enough. And and we should, and we should encourage each other in our stories and in the ways that the Lord has moved us. And again, that's why I loved what Lauren said at the end, just when she goes to discipleship and she just talks about, this is what the Lord taught me this week. And you leave and you feel so encouraged, like, I get it. It's such a cool feeling to sit down with somebody and just be like, hey, this is what the Lord has taught me, um, and and encouraging each, encouraging each other in that way. And then the last thing that we see in um, verses 12 all the way to the end, and we'll kind of um, break it up, is the perspective of a lifestyle. So in verse 12, it says this, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and, and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. Okay, Um, this is really, I mean, pretty straightforward. Um, I love when the Bible is like really straightforward and you don't have to like decode it in a way you feel like. Um, But this is just respecting those who labor among you. And so who are those people? Those are people like your pastor, like Taylor, like PJ, like all of these people, um, your pastoral team, everyone on church staff that labor among you, the people that disciple you, who labor diligently among the harvest so that um, you can go out and do what the Lord calls you to do. And so in this, Paul is talking and he's saying, hey, respect these people, admonish these people, esteem them highly. And then at the very end, he says, be at peace among yourselves. Um, And so that is just kind of like, it seems like Paul just kind of tacked that on to the end, but he means that for a very specific reason. In the sense of being at peace among each other, um, it takes off a lot of stress off of your pastoral team. Um, And I I say that because, one, that's what Paul is saying, but two, when there is strife or disagreement within the community that you are in, um, then the person that is laboring among you, that is in charge of you among Um, that community, they have to take time to help you figure out those problems when they should be discipling people or figuring out what they're going to teach on and things like that. So Paul is really just saying, hey, respect these people. And a way you can respect those in authority over you is to be at peace with everyone around you. And then in verse 14, it says, and we urge you brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. So, this is um, kind of a hard thing, um, just this idea of patience. How many of you guys have ever like pay- prayed for patience with a certain person? How many of you guys have ever done that? Yeah, it's hard um, because the Lord oftentimes um, answers that prayer, and it's not fun. But um, So in this, Paul is really talking about Again, going back to this idea of you have a perspective change of your lifestyle and how you live your life, it gives you this patience and warning, which in, he talks about um, admonish the idol. He's talking about warning the lazy, meaning go out and live your faith. Remember in week two, we talked about doing our jobs and our jobs is to go out and to share the gospel. So have patience and warning the lazy and in encouraging the faint hearted and helping the weak. Um, Because sometimes um, these are the hardest people to be patient with, are the people that are lazy, that are um, faint-hearted, or that are weak. But we are called to have patience in how we care for these people. And then in verse 15, it says, See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. So now this is the idea of putting others before yourself. And I'm not going to read all of this But Philippians 2, 1 through 11, talking about Christ's humility. Um, And a great book on that is Humility by Andrew Murray. Everyone should go read it. Yeah, the James brothers just read it. Super good book. It's like 50 pages. It's written in Old English, though, so it's kind of difficult. But super, super good. Just talking about this idea of being humble before Christ, but also being humble before people and putting others before yourself in every single thing that you do. And that is so counter-cultural, but that is what comes with having a, perspe- a perspective change when you come unto Christ. And then we see in verses 16 through 18, it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So last week we talked a little bit about kind of what is God's will for your life. And we see this again, for this is the will of Christ, of, of wow hold on for this is the will of god and christ jesus for you okay so again this idea of what is god's will for my life it's your sanctification meaning if you go back up to 16 rejoice always pray without ceasing give thanks in all circumstances that doing those three things um is definitely separating you from the world and going back to last week we talked about being set apart from this world Um, that we live in. And in doing that, your sanctification is God's will for your life. It's not, okay, Krista, I want you to graduate high school and then I want you to go to TCC and then I want you to go do this and you have to do exactly everything I say. It simply is just getting up every day and taking up your cross and saying, I'm going to be set apart from the world and I'm going to rejoice always. I'm going to pray without ceasing and I'm going to give thanks in all circumstances. That is simply God's will for your life. And that is such a simple thing. Yet, especially as college students and young adults, we overcomplicate that to no end. Um, Trust me, I've been there. I get it. But in all simplicity, His will is simply your sanctification and you coming and knowing Him deeper every single day. And then in verse 19, we see, do not quench the spirit and that... Um, is the idea of when you quench something you you satisfy it Um, isn't like the Gatorade logo like quench your thirst is that right yeah Yeah, okay thank you guys okay but it's in that idea of okay you buy this thing so you can quench your thirst so you can satisfy your thirst Um, but Paul is saying hey don't quench the spirit meaning don't satisfy the spirit and so this sounds kind of odd but it's this idea that sometimes people will come and they'll say oh I went to church on Sunday so I have enough Jesus to get me through the week um, or oh I prayed this morning before I went to class so like I'm good on my prayers for the week but it's this idea that in your spirit and in your pursuit of Christ you're never satisfied yet satisfied At the same time. And let me explain that a little bit. And this is why I, this is just why I love the Lord. Do you guys ever just have like a super intense quiet time and you're like, ah, that was so good? And then you get up and you walk away and you're like, ah, I just feel so satisfied. And you're like, but I really, really, really want more. Like you just want to go back to that state. But at the same time, you're satisfied. So you're in this weird place of like, what do I do? Um, But That's the idea, is that in Christ you're fully satisfied yet never satisfied because you always go back for wanting more. And that's honestly why I personally think, well, there's a lot of reasons why I think that heaven lasts for eternity because in Christ's presence you are all satisfied yet not satisfied because you're always wanting more of Him. So do not quench the spirit. Um, And then in verse 20 through 22, it says, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Okay, be cautious. Um, how many of you guys have Facebook and are like actively on it? Yes, okay. I love Facebook. All the cooking videos are on there, so I love I love Facebook. Um, but... A lot of times on Facebook, and also maybe on Instagram, I don't know, I'm not on there as much. Um, Do you guys ever like see those posts? And it's like, if you repost this, the Lord will bless you with X, Y, Z. Yeah, okay. Those really upset me. (laughs) Um, Because it's this whole idea that, oh, I'm gonna use the gospel in order to gain something for myself. And that is not it, you can't, when it says to test prophecies, a lot of those things come into these these false teachers um, and if you do this God will bless you um, and give you X Y and Z um, but then the question really is when did the gospel ever start becoming about you because it's not about you um, that is why you have to be cautious in testing these prophecies and these things um, and I I'll share this story I um, was doing um, TCCBC we had like a like a leadership retreat um, right before Easter weekend and we partnered with the church and um, so one day we went door to door and invited the people in the neighborhood behind the church to their Easter service and I was like oh this is gonna be so chill so great okay so I'm with two other students And we show up and this little old man opens the door and we were like, hi, like we just want to invite you to this Easter service. And he was like, I'm going to prophesy over you guys. I'm not like, I'm not making this up. And I was like, what is going on? Um, And he told us all different prophecies about ourselves. I mean, he looked at one of my friends. um, I love her, her name's Laura. She had just spent a summer in Vietnam and um, she came back and this guy is like prophesying over us and he straight up just looked at her and was like, money, I see money in your future. And she said, OK. And we walk away and she was like, I want to be a missionary. I don't know where I'm getting this money thing from. And so like he told us all these things. And don't get me wrong. I was like, if mine came true, that would be pretty dope. <laughs> but I don't, but my thing is, I'm not banking my entire walk with Christ on whether or not this prophecy is going to come true or not. And so I say all this because we went and told my BCM director, and he was like, that guy's whack. And I was like, thank you, Kyle. Um, but all that to say, you have to be cautious in these things because a lot of times, people will do these things. I mean, something happened to PJ the other day. He was just out and about, and this woman was like, "If you..." do this thing, like the Lord will bless you. And PJ was like, nah, fam. Um, He didn't say that. He kind of went off on her, but (laughs) um, he was telling me and Taylor about it. But all that to say, you have to be cautious, especially in this world that we live in today, because it's it's all around us. And this even really links back to the whole prosperity gospel. Um, You have to be cautious, and you have to test everything. Even the things that I say, PJ says, Taylor, Pastor Gabbard, like, whoever, like, go back and see if it aligns with the Bible, because at the end of the day, we're still human, and we're still going to mess up, and we're still going to say things that are probably wrong sometimes, Um, so you have to know what the Word says, and then um, in verse 23, it says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it. Okay, so this is that idea that Christ can do it. And there we just spent the past like however many, ten verses um, talking about how Christ calls you to live and so in that way um you read all of that and you're like wow that um that was a a very extensive list and something that i cannot do on my own um and you're right you can't do it on your own which is why paul then says he who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it um and i want to encourage you guys with this um i had like a really bad week um it was like one of those weeks where like I would just get in the car and just like sit in silence and drive. Like it was one of those weeks. It was not a good week. Um, and I was talking to Taylor and PJ and we we're like in this text group and we were talking about um, just stuff for the podcast. And then um, Taylor um, asked, he was like, how, like how's your support raising going like for your next um, ministry? And I was like, I'm not going to lie. It's a, uh, It's not going too hot this week. And I kind of like explained all of it to them and explained just kind of um, how I was feeling and everything. And Taylor texted back and I will, I will never forget this. He texted back and he said, God always pays for what he orders. And I said, someone put that on a coffee mug because that's what that deserved. Um, But I was like, that is so true. God will pay for what He orders. So if God is calling you to do these things, which He is, He's calling you to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and to give thanks in all circumstances. He's calling you to do all these things and to live a life that is set apart. He is going to be faithful in helping you to accomplish and to do those things. Meaning, you don't have to rely on your own at all. It all comes from the Lord and your reliance upon Him in doing these things. And then, in 25 through 28, we really just see Paul's longing to be with these people and just final instructions. It says, Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with the holy kiss. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ to be with you. So again, we just see this longing that Paul has. We talked about this the very first week. This is a longing that Paul has to be with these people. Um, Is just so intense and he's like hey make sure this letter is read and i just i'm longing to be with you and we just see his final instructions and all of this so we see everything we see um from chapter one paul talking about how to live just this reproducible lifestyle how we should be doing our job sharing the gospel how we have these hearts that cannot be satisfied except by christ and christ alone and how we are supposed to remove ourselves from this world and how we should have a perspective change. And we see all of this um, in a way that when you come to Christ and you're changed by Him, your perspective changes, and you begin to live with the sense of urgency, with the sense of hope um, with the gospel. And it changes the very shape of who you are and how you live your life and the things you say and the things you do and the things you think. Um, but that all comes from entering into a relationship with Christ and allowing Him to change your perspective eternally.